This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Welcome to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycasts. Now tonight, um, we've got a good, uh, well, great show, I'm going to say, lined up for you tonight. Um, you might have read recent uh, news stories about Amnesty International's decision to support the full decriminalisation of sex work. So this week on Her Voice, we're exploring that issue, along with media coverage of women who do sex work and some of the issues that face LGBTIQ sex workers. And to help us dig into these issues, we're joined in the studio by Sally Tonkin. Sally is the CEO of St Kilda Gatehouse, a not-for-profit organisation that supports street sex workers. Sally, welcome to Joy. Thank you. Um, Now, can you tell us, just to sort of kick things off, tell us um, about some of the work that um, Gatehouse does to help people? Yeah, sure. Um, We've been going for about 23 years, I think it is. Um, And we've originally been, well, mostly based in St Kilda. So we work with women and some men there who are involved in street-based sex work due to hardship. So we're working with people who are working on the street Um, as a result of a number of different things going on in their lives. So um, domestic violence, uh, drug addiction, homelessness and a whole number of different issues. Um, We have a drop-in centre there and they come into the centre and um, really it's just a space for them. So if they don't want to engage, if if they don't want to work on any of those issues that I talked about, absolutely fine. They just come in and have something to eat, um, sit around, have a chat. Um, It's really their space. Um, So we've been doing that for quite a number of years and we've recently just opened a centre out in Dandenong. So we're now working out there with young women uh, from the age of 12 to 25 who are involved in commercial sexual exploitation. So it's a a bit different. um, Wow. Yeah. 12. 12, yeah, yeah. So we're not working out in Dandenong with women who are involved in street-based sex work. It is young girls who are involved in commercial sexual exploitation. So it is quite different, but operating with the same values. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I wasn't aware that you'd been uh, operating for... 23 yeah, years. Yeah, a long time, isn't it? So I imagine it's grown um, quite a bit since it first yeah, was established. Yeah, it's, um, there's been, we've got one staff member who's been around, I think, for about 16 of those years. And I think that's really great to have staff who were there for the long haul. Yeah. Um, so, because some of the women we work with, they, they go away for a, you know, about five or so years and then they come back and there's a familiar face. So I think mm-hmm. that's really important. Most of our staff do hang around for a while. Um, yeah, so I think there is, it is good that we've been around for. That and I guess they get to see how trends have changed yeah. from when they first started Absolutely. to now and how things yeah. maybe cyclically change and, yeah. and things of that relating yeah. to it. So just to clarify, your, your organisation is dealing with people who they're not really doing this out of choice. They're doing yeah. it out of the fact that they kind of have to. Yeah, and it might be a choice, but it's because of limited choices. Limited I choices, guess, okay. Be, yeah. The best of the bad bunch yeah, sort of that's choice. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what sort of hardships have people, um, you know, typically faced where they're in a position where they are doing street sex work and they're coming to you for support? Is it, um, I mean, what, what I am sort of imagining, imagining um, is there might be some substance abuse mm. um, 
uh, problems, uh, domestic violence, um, financial problems. Is there a whole range of of issues? Yeah, there is. And, I mean, they're such strong, resilient women because often they're facing more than one of those at a time. And so you can just imagine how challenging that is. Um, So, yeah, certainly drug addiction is a big part of what we see, but it's normally coupled with a a number of other issues that are are going on. So domestic violence is a huge um, issue. Um, a lot of the women we work with came from a home that where there was domestic violence when they were a child and um, many find themselves in those relationships um, later in life. Um, but yeah, and social isolation is a huge one. Um, a number of the women come from a background of abuse, but as we know, the the statistics around abuse are quite high, but you don't see everyone who's been abused working on the streets. So normally it works alongside or goes alongside social isolation. Um, so that's definitely a big factor as well. What's, what's the correlation between domestic violence and, and, and sex working? Like why, why do you reckon the, statistic, sorry, the statistics are so high yeah. in relation to that? Because I, I struggle to understand that myself. Yeah. Like why, why go into sex work if you've been abused yeah. domestically? Well, it tends to go around... A lot more is coming out now about the effects of trauma on childhood um, okay. and what it does to the brain. And so um, drug addiction often comes after that because um, the way that trauma can affect the brain, you're, you're really looking for... Some, you, you might dissociate or you're looking for things to like taking drugs to help numb those mm-hmm. feelings um, and to, fi- to find relief from um, what you've gone through so that it can, it can be the trigger and towards um, drug addiction and a whole number of other uh, different issues. Um, so it can lead from domestic violence to drug abuse to, yeah. to then, I guess, ending up uh, with limited options and yeah. ending up with yeah. sex. So there, it's not really a direct path. It's more through the drug addiction. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, we, and we're really careful to say that this is not every woman's story. No. Um, no. There's certainly, there's so many different unique stories um, that we hear about. And, you know, a lot of the women have gone through private school education and um, had had a number of different um, pathways um, to where they are now. But uh, the common story that we kept hearing was, uh, you know, young women were 12, 13, in a violent home. They either ran away to the streets and then got caught up with a gang or an older boyfriend or they were taken... Um, from their home by child protection and put into residential care. Yep. And in residential care, they were then exposed to um, drug use or um, you know, commercial sexual exploitation. Um, so then it, it leads from there. So well, yeah. There was more news today out of that um, Royal Commission into um, child abuse in, in institutions. And like I was watching the news tonight and it was just appalling like, yeah. that the things are coming out that have happened to people. Yeah. It's just been pushed under the rug yeah, for so long. And yeah. so you never know what, what's happened to people. And you mentioned social isolation as well. Yeah. Um, and if people don't have um, family yeah. networks or support ne- mm. networks, I suppose they're more likely to yeah. know, fall into that into Yeah, that you just look for someone who is going to love you, who's going to see you, who's going to treat you with a bit of respect. And so you can easily confuse that. You know, the first person who provides you with mm. that, you might grab onto it because you're just seeking it. And so people can exploit that uh, and take advantage of that. And and we hear of that um, as well. But, yeah, when you're facing, you know, the most difficult time of your life and you just don't have a grandparent or a neighbour or, you know, a school teacher or someone who's just going to look out for you, who's got your back, um, that's when you'll turn to drugs or you get caught up in a crowd that's going to take advantage of you. Mm. Mm. What's your background, 
Sally, how long have you yeah. been working with Gatehouse for? I've been there for eight years. I think, yeah, eight years. Um, <laughs> Time flies. <laughs> it does fly. Um, yeah, so my background was actually occupational therapy, um, but I had a real interest and a passion for working with marginalised women. And being naive as I was, I assumed that would mean I would go overseas. So I moved to Melbourne to study international development, thinking I'd head to Afghanistan or somewhere. Um, And I moved to St Kilda, right on the corner of Grieve Street and Carlisle Street, so where the red light district is. Um, So, yeah, was exposed to it, um, got involved as a supporter with Gatehouse. So we had a knitting group and we would, um, a bunch of women would come over and we'd knit and drink wine and... We started supporting Gatehouse, knitting scarves or giving... That's very Melbourne, isn't it? Very St Kilda. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, and so I got involved that way and then just heard more and more about what they were doing and then eventually found myself working there. I think that's great. I think, um, I mean, as you said, you wanted to work with marginalised women and people often think of overseas, but there's always people... Um, here at home yeah. that, that need help and sometimes well. they're the ones that are overlooked the most because yeah. yeah. they're right on your doorstep yeah. and you just don't you're looking beyond yeah. on the horizon yeah. yet they're like all around right, right there and it's, it's the same with any kind of people any kind of needy yeah. people like we have our own homeless people we yeah. have our own disadvantaged children you know all those kind of marginalised people in society even in, in, in a first world country yeah. they exist shocking as it is yeah, they exist absolutely. and I don't yeah. think people realise that it can you know, like we were talking about with the centre out in Dandenong, that there is domestic trafficking happening here in Australia. And, mm. yeah, it just... I don't think we, yeah. we can actually comprehend that. Mm. No, I don't mm. think... You're like, we're a first world country. It couldn't yeah. possibly happen here. Mm. It's right here, yeah. A lot of things are just invisible, I think. We mm. see, you know, those of us who, you know, sort of have middle-class existences just sort of, you know... Kind of, it's easy to just float above that. Yeah, sort of, that that's stuff right. You're not kind of tuned in. That it's not there. Yeah. It, I don't think it's even that. I think literally you're just not tuned into it. Yeah. And like you probably know this better than we would because you're you're tuned into it and you would notice it a lot more mm. because you're involved. Yeah. Where we, as you said, live our lives kind of floating above yeah. it all, and we don't really see it and see yeah. the impacts of it. You know. Yeah. And I think that's where education mm. is is really important for people like you to educate people like us that this is actually happening yeah, yeah you know and this is why having talks and and things like that can really really help people to understand who you know they're they're not they're not ignorant out of um choice they're mm. ignorant because they've never been exposed yeah. to it. it's more innocence than, yes. than ignorance yeah um so yeah i think awareness on all these issues is, is really important this is why the media need to represent it quite well as absolutely. well absolutely you know yes. You're listening to a Joycast from GLB TIQ Community Radio Station, Joy 94.9. So the people that you're working um, with, there's some of the most, I mean, we touched on this already, some mm. of the most marginalised and vulnerable people um, in society in general. But um, uh, street sex work, oh, I'm, I'm wondering, because street sex work is illegal mm. um, and you're an organisation that supports um, these people, are there any like difficulty with... Um, legalities around that in working to support um, people working in an illegal industry? Yeah, um, that's a good question. It is, street-based sex work is illegal. Um, I guess in St Kilda it is zoned as an area where there is street-based sex work and although it is still illegal, the it is, I guess it's, it's not tolerated but um, the police... There, there, a law was brought in into St Kilda where the police can actually na- now target the mugs 
so who are the clients? That's the mm-hmm. uh, name for the clients. Um, so it's kind of it's a weird situation because it's not the the Swedish model where they uh, the women it's decriminalised for the women and then they criminalise the men because it's actually criminalised for both now, which is is kind of counterproductive. But uh, in a way, we do work well with the police um, so that they they have a greater understanding now of the issues that lead to street based sex work. But at the same time, the women still do fear. The police somewhat because mm-hmm. they can, um, you know, um, be arrested and um, yeah. So it is a tricky, a tricky area to work in because of that. Um, but yeah, we're there mostly to work with the women on the issues that are important to them, and uh, they tend to be those issues that I talk to you about. Um, so we we tend not to get so much involved in the sex work because, well, for one, the women are the experts on that. Mm-hmm. Um, we can certainly direct them to where they can get support for sexual health or and we do do harm minimization so we give out condoms and needles um but we we tend to be there more for the the issues that like i said are important to them so a woman will come in and just not even identify as a sex worker or not even talk about it um she'll just chat about her family or or other things going on uh for her Mm-hmm. So rather than focus on the sex work yeah. being a pro- you want to focus on their emotional yeah. kind of not development but their emotional kind of like have a shoulder to cry on yeah, like you would a friend and just thing. as a human being so they yeah, come in and they just right. they drop their their street persona they come in and they just they're just themselves and that you know they're Rebecca or Rachel and I'm making these names <laughs> up because we tend not to identify the women but um yeah so they just come in and they talk about um you know whatever's going on for them um they might talk amongst themselves about the sex work and the practicalities because that's certainly not an area that we have the expertise on. So they more ha- use it as a community space where they can So it's share. like a forum. Yeah, that's right. Share what's going on, mm-hmm. um, talk about what's going on out there. And, yeah. Mm. Do you think with the, the full decriminalisation it'll make things easier? Will they will they now come under the law? How, how will that work? Well, the full- with, with, like, with full decriminalisation. So that's something that Amnesty... International has like they've formed a resolution or, mm. or whatever it is in the last week or so, but that like that's not. I'd suggest that that's probably far from like, yeah. Law. I, yeah. Like, how will it manifest? Yeah, I think it's more just a recommendation that they've uh, a standpoint that they've taken, um, but how each country takes that, I think it's. Is that really just for the cops to lay off sort of thing, rather than getting into the kind of nitty gritty of paying tax and all that kind of stuff? Which, when when legalizing. Like for example, uh, I know in Ireland and the UK, um, any any form of sex work is is completely illegal. Mm. Where in places like New Zealand, any form, any form mm. is completely. Illegal. And th- that's why when I first moved to New Zealand, I was I was so shocked. Yeah, because I'd never <laughs> seen a brothel. You yeah. know, I'd never seen anything like that. Um, and obviously because it's a it's a legal um, uh, work environment, they pay mm. tax like everybody else. Yeah. So, is that the kind of thing that will be like would that expectation because obviously you know a lot of these people would be marginalized Mm. really quite hard up Mm. and the notion of you know paying tax or conforming Mm. to a regular kind of career I guess would that be yeah it's a really it's so complex and it's so diverse uh the sex industry so like I said we work with one really niche area Mm. which is street-based sex work and women who are there because of hardship um so I think what Amnesty International have done is recommend that it be de- decriminalised for consensual sex work. Um, and I, I certainly don't envy them um, because they've had to come up with something that is so... come up with one 
solution that mm. is um, or a recommendation in an industry that is just so complex and diverse and there's so many different opinions and um, you have got some women who are women and men who are doing sex work by choice and um, are privileged enough to be able to do it by choice then you've got a whole another section um, who it isn't so much a choice it's more survival it might be exploitation so how you come up with a recommendation that mm. actually covers all of that so I think they've mm. been wise in that they've just said for consensual sex work um, but yeah it, it's extremely complex and it's um, yeah it's very difficult and, and Louise I mean you brought up the question of like taxation which is something that I'd like I mean mm. god I'd never <laughs> thought about it in that light I'm just thinking like in terms of um, you know Street sex workers in particular mm. are so stigmatised. I mean, mm. I, um, growing up in, in Melbourne, you sort of know that, mm. like, you just know. I don't know how I knew or how old I was when I knew, but you just know that St Kilda is, like, that sort of red light district yeah. of Melbourne. And how do you how do you know that? Because people are talking about it. People aren't talking about it in a good way. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's just if it... If it is decriminalised, it takes away the stigma from those women, perhaps. Um, maybe it also it offers protection. It, it, yeah, if it affords well, like them some protection, protection and, um, you know, if they don't need to be afraid of the police anymore and if, you know, if it leads to better, um, um, you know, safer environments and, you know, mm. better health outcomes, whatever it is. Um, you know, I mean, there are... Um, I mean, if you look at it, um, like European countries like... I mean, the Netherlands is the is the famous one, mm. really, where, um, you know, it, it's just kind of normal. It doesn't have the same stigma attached to it. Why can't that be the case here? It's funny you say that, actually, because I, um, I quite recently saw a documentary on um, the, you know, the sex workers in the windows mm-hmm. um, along the canal. And it was really, really, really interesting. And I know this, sorry, this is slightly off topic, but... Um, so th- these ladies were basically being interviewed and I would say the vast majority of them loved what they did because they kind of had a little kind of niche. Mm. Like one might have been like into kink or leather or mm. some other people might have just been into oh, some, some sort of different thing. And they really loved their work and they loved what they could do to make people feel good and blah, 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 which I think is the kind of happier side of sex work mm. where people and those people tended to be more open and honest about their work and actually proud of their work mm. where the odd couple you could tell were mm. kind of doing it because they kind of had to yeah. you know even even still I wouldn't say they were marginalized people mm. per se mm. um, and then I guess the people you're dealing with yeah. are, are the ones who and, that, and that's what's so complex about it is how do you make it safe and protect women um, who, you know, how do you stop the exploitation? Mm. And that, and that's a really difficult thing that I think Amnesty International have had, tried to grapple with is because unfortunately um, where the legal industry is, you will then have the illegal industry grows alongside it. Uh, so even in Melbourne where um, brothels are legal and highly regulated, we have four times as many illegal mm. brothels. And so it's how do you get into that and how do you, um, you know, yeah. manage that and um, bring safety and other options to the women involved in that? That's so. right. And even if you do decriminalise um, street work and make, yeah. make it a legal thing, there's still always going to be that subset. Yeah, that's right. And it doesn't 
make it safe no. overnight. Um, there will still be women who are being exploited. I think, and this is my personal opinion, we talked earlier about, um, I work for St Kilda Gatehouse, but we this is not their um, position, it's my personal opinion, but I think um, it should be definitely decriminalised for the women who are involved and that goes towards decreasing stigma. It also goes towards against uh, victim blaming. You know, when there are when a woman is abused, um, yet yeah, at the same time she can be criminalised for what she's doing, um, and if she's been exploited to get into the industry, you mm. know, you need we need to take that away from the woman. But then, how do we manage the exploitation of women, and how do we make sure that those who are exploiting the women are criminalised? Um, yeah, so it's 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 really complex. Tricky area. Mm. And, yeah, I mean, any sort of solution that comes in short term yeah. or longer term, like it's – I mean, nothing's perfect. No. Like this, whatever, you know, is implemented, there's still, you know, going to be some of these issues ongoing. But mm. hopefully something can come into place that at least, you know, helps to alleviate some of these issues mm. for some, some of the women involved. Yeah, absolutely. You're listening to a Joycast from GLB TIQ Community Radio Station, Joy 94.9. Now, Sally, you gave a TED Talk in St Kilda a couple of months ago, mm. um, which we'll um, read out um, St Kilda Gatehouse's website later on. There's a, there's a link to it on the site. Um, Can now, I interrupt a- you for one second? TED, what does TED mean? Am I meant to know what that means? Yes, oh. you are. Okay. <laughs> Even I though I'm an Irish... Yeah, it's like a worldwide thing. Oh, God. Uh, it's, 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 is it technology, technology education, design? Or design, yeah, I think it's There design. we go. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Cheers for that. <laughs> um, so you gave a TED Talk, which covered a, um, um, a, a range of um, issues. Mm. Yours was talking about your um, work with Gatehouse um, and really touching on some of the, the issues to do with media coverage of um, street sex workers yeah. and how dehumanising that yeah. that is at times. Can you sort of elaborate on that? Yeah, it's, a real, a bit? it's, um, it's such a difficult issue because we get we probably contact about once a week um, from a, by a journalist and we're really careful in how much media we do do because often they have their own angle and their own story and even when you have a great relationship with the journalists and they they understand the message you're trying to get across once it reaches the editors it gets pulled apart um, the language gets changed the tone is changed and um, so yeah it's it's really difficult and so it certainly became apparent when uh, a woman who we were working with and knew very well uh, was murdered and the way that it was immediately reported was St Kilda prostitute murdered and it was just awful when you know someone and that's how they're described. Mm. Well, that's all they're described as in the media. And there was so much more to her as a person. Um, so we made the decision that we would um, do media that humanised Tracy um, and that would tell her story and um, make her a person. Um, and the media eventually responded really well to that in the end. Um, there was a bit of a shift. Um, and so that was quite encouraging. And that was, I mean, obviously, this is stating the obvious, but um, anybody who's who's murdered, that's not mm. a good thing. But this was, um, in particular, like this was a brutal yeah, yeah, um, was. crime. Yeah. Um, and still the reporting of it, as you say, it wasn't yeah. about the fact that a, a human yeah. being, you know, a woman had been murdered. Yeah. Um, it was just like yeah, sex worker killed. Yeah. You know. The, the defining Next. moment for me, I think um, I was speaking on another radio station, but um, I just 
we just had a debrief, so you know we'd obviously found out the news. Everyone was horrified and in shock. So we got everyone together and we just shared stories. And you know that's often what you do when you're uh, grieving mm. someone. So then I went on the radio straight after that. So it was, I had all the stories in my mind. So it was actually really easy for me to talk about uh, Tracy as a person and her humour and how clever she was and just the little things she used to do. And a woman rang me um, not long after, and she'd been listening to the radio, and she found that she had to pull over because she actually hadn't thought of Tracy as a person because of the way it had been reported in the media. It was just mm. dismissive and of you know oh she was sensationalised yeah. yeah and um, you know she knew the and they're pretty um, good at that aren't they yeah, the old media yeah so um yeah so her phone call i think was what really changed things for us and we we realized how important it was that we um talk about tracy yeah and so <clears throat> excuse me so um obviously the the community at um gatehouse banded mm. together but the st kilda community um a bit more broadly than that came yeah. together as well with um like there was sort of a vigil where people gathered yeah. and there was um, it was really amazing i mean we'd only heard complaints up until that point so you get you know the resident and it's understandable it's a difficult area to live in but we just you know our perception was that the community weren't that feeling that positively towards us and the response after Tracy's murder was really overwhelming because the community really banded together and um, yeah we had a vigil and over a thousand people attended Um, there were kids there there were um, shop owners residents it was just amazing Um, and then a local resident ran a possible campaign and raised money so we could open longer Um, a couple of local journalists um, did a fundraiser and they got all their comedian friends to come together and um, we put on a fundraiser in St Kilda. So there's a whole number of ways that, that people responded. It was really amazing. Just even the letters that people sent, the messages that people wrote on the shrine that um, was built um, where Tracy was murdered. It was really incredible and, and it's continued. Um, we've really felt support from the community. It's kind of a, a bit of a sad truth that it takes something like Absolutely. that to make it a yeah. human story. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it takes a murder or a serious injury or something like that to actually a- attach humanness to, yes. to anything kind yeah. of marginal like yeah. that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And then people kind of realise, oh, you know, maybe maybe what I thought before was just yeah. really horrible and, yeah. and ignorant, you know? Yeah. This is an actual human being who suffered horribly Yeah. at the hands of an abusive person you yeah know? yeah it's very sad mm. and tracy's killer still hasn't been um mm. found so that was two years ago two years that she ago, was murdered July, yeah. um and i mean you said obviously that some of the um news reports um a couple of journalists journalists in particular that you talk about in your ted talk mm. um did much more um humanizing and mm. um you know pieces about tracy um but then I mean, I've had a look online um, during the week and there was a um, news report. The most recent one I saw was five months ago and the headline was, Who Killed Sex Worker Tracy Connolly? Mm. So it's sort of, it seems like it's, you know, it's it moved forward, yeah. but it's then just kind of, it's easy to slip back. Yeah, and, back into default mode, yeah. I mean, it's the, you know, I mean, the media has a um, responsibility to be, um, you know, professional and, and report these sort of things, but... Mm. Um, Their defence would be, well, that was her occupation. Yeah. You know, that that, that would be a a defence. I think it is really brave for a journalist to take a different angle. So we find that Mm. they either over-victimise the women or they sensationalise it. Um, But for the two journalists in particular, Wendy Squires and Jane Gilmore, who wrote um, really brave pieces, I feel, um, and and went straight to the heart of the issue. Um, We'd love to see more of that, but it it is rare, unfortunately, in the media. 
Um, yeah, and we find, and that's why the women don't want to share their stories or um, they don't want to be sensationalised. They don't want it to be voyeuristic. Mm. Um, so it does make it difficult for them to come forward. Mm. And, and unfortunately, it's the voyeurism that sells the newspapers. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, interesting, I think, that both of those articles were written by women yeah. as well. I won't comment further on that. Yes. But <laughs> I mean, it's still an ongoing issue, this um you know, dehumanising representation of sex workers in the media. Um, the Australian Press Council, Press Council, I didn't say that properly, um, handed down a ruling in the last week or so. Um, there was that just absolutely awful um, headline in the Courier Mail up in uh, Brisbane last year sometime uh, with the coverage of the murder of, um, I hope I get this pronunciation um, correct, Mayang Presetio. Um, now, that was an offensive headline both um, and... Um, the report as well. They were offensive both in relation to her being transgender and a sex worker. The headline on the front um, page was Monster Chef and the She-Male. Mm. Um, how the hell did that get past um, an editor? Honestly, mm, in knows? a professional organisation, how did that get past an so, editor? And there were reference. so that was the headline on the front page and then it, I think the story continued on like page four or five, had some more mm. horrendous mm. Um, headlines in there. There were references... Um, to her being a sex worker that weren't relevant to mm. her death. Yeah. Um, the use of her former name. Yeah. Um, there were so many things. Um, even that were even wrong calling with that. him a monster because the monster myth. People don't realise that these are men who are in our community. You know, they have jobs, they have families. If we make them a monster, it makes them a other. But actually, we're only going to address it when we start to talk about them as as men who are in our community. But um, yeah. So even that in itself Ooh, that's is a scary problematic. thought. Yeah. God, because yeah. you're right, it's easier to process. Yeah, put it over there. Yeah, put it's it over there, the, they're in the monster yeah. category. But yeah. if we're having, you know, one to two women a week murdered, then it's more than a monster. Mm. There are more men in our community. And we need to address yeah. what's causing it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. God. That was actually, that's. I think that was the way you kicked off your TED Talk, um, was saying that, that these are people... Um, like these women are having violence perpetrated against mm. them and it's happening, you know, we don't sort of seem to realise as a yeah. community that it's happening by... By men. By by men who are just around us. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, mm. you know, uh, there's a lot of debate that goes on around sex work, but we actually forget that there's people involved. So there's women mm. and there are men involved. And, um, you know, it is dangerous, street-based sex work, but why is it dangerous? It's dangerous because of men and like I said in the TEDx talk these aren't hardened criminals these are men who are in our community and go about their daily lives um, but think that it's okay to abuse the women Hmm. because Hmm. it shouldn't if that's not you know, if these men weren't violent towards the women it it shouldn't 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 be be unsafe yeah absolutely it's just a it's terrifying absolutely terrifying Mm. Um, so on that um, Courier Mail it was good to see that the press council I mean, what comes of this, I don't know, but um, it was good to see that the press council has um, did find that to be um, offensive and in breach of press standards. So it wasn't a fair and balanced report. And reports are supposed to avoid causing distress or prejudice to people, mm. which those um, sorts of oh God, yeah. headlines mm. clearly um, don't do. Um, and in terms of press coverage, there's one more um, thing that I want to um, sort of touch on, and that's... Um, Adrian Bailey, which is a name that um, I suspect everyone in, in Melbourne mm. knows now. He murdered Jill Ma. He's been convicted of that now and, and raping her. Um, and there was a lot of um, media coverage around um, that murder, as there should have been. Mm. Um, but then it's it since come to light, obviously, that he had a, 
a very long history mm. of violence towards women, which included a number of sex workers, mm. um, which seemingly went, you know, unreported mm. at the time or if it was reported, you know, wasn't such of a big deal. Mm. Um, and it's sort of, you know, it's, it's that question of why is more value placed on some women's lives than mm. others? Yeah, it's... Um, I mean, I was around at Gatehouse when um, Adrian Bailey was um, raping the women that we work with. And I remember when he uh, raped the woman who was the Dutch backpacker, they put out an identa, what do you call it, the sketch photo. And I went in and pinned it up in Gatehouse because I knew that the women might most likely would um, see him. And one of the women had actually come into Gatehouse and had made an ugly mugs report against Adrian Bailey. So... She didn't take it to the... Can I just say, that ugly mugs report, is that to sort of alert other people who come into the centre yeah, that yeah. there's yeah. someone to guys. avoid? Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's a program run by Inner South Community Health Service and so they can go to any centre like Gatehouse or Sacred Heart and put in um, a report. Often the women don't want to go to the police because they don't feel that they'll believe or taken seriously or they have to do the same report four times before it's actually considered a statement um but they will do an ugly mugs report so in this case a woman had done an ugly mugs report but hadn't taken it uh, to the police so even though there had been a number of rape cases against him there were a lot more that are only coming out um now so yeah it's just horrific and the one that the women didn't feel they could come forward but also that the ones that did come forward he was given such a light sentence Mm. um yeah so and that's a whole other topic to get into, mm. really, the judicial system and how yeah. that uh, treats crimes against... Um, yeah, depending on what a woman does, yeah. um, how, how it's treated, mm. yeah. It's a different crime yeah. In, yeah. in their eyes, which um, is it's just ridiculous. Yeah. You're listening to a Joycast from GLB TIQ Community Radio Station, Joy 94.9. Sort of on that, on that topic slightly... Um, uh, Four Corners did a piece called um, Escorts that um, aired two weeks ago and it profiled three transgender women who are sex workers. Uh, two of them were escorts and one of them did street-based sex work. Um, now, I mean, my sort of view on that piece, I think they had the, I mean, they had, I suppose, the sort of right idea in terms of mm. um, wanting to do um, that piece. But I... I took issue in terms of, um, you know, I mean, they were kind of sensationalising um, the, yeah. the sex work and the fact mm. that the women were transgender. The reporters asked um, one or two of the women um, about their genitals, what surgeries they'd had. Um, it showed um, uh, one of the women had been arrested for drug-related offences um, and they showed news mm. footage that had aired about her arrest, which... Um, I thought it was pretty awful, but that news report as well made, um, you know, it stated she was transgender. It said that she was pre-operative. Um, it said the police um, said that she had the strength of a man. Like, all these sorts of things, they're just, like, they're unnecessary. Um, and so I thought that was some pretty mm. and um, they, awful examples. And they could have critiqued it for, I think there were good parts of it the show but they could have critiqued that news report but they they didn't yeah are they not just trying to be raw yeah with it you know where yeah. they're not really considering the 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 impact or the feelings of, of their listeners they just want to tell tell yeah. it how it is like yeah. like questioning them about you know uh, their genitals because because uh, i guess you know not a lot of people do understand um 
the the different uh, types of people on the spectrum. And maybe it was just a way to tell people that this is the type of people they are. Do, do you know what I mean? They're trying to be raw, but it just didn't come across that way. Because I, think I don't know what you mean, but I think, I mean, any time, like, I mean, it's just reducing people to that level. Yeah. It means you're not treating them as yeah. human beings. Human like, you don't um, cover a story about anybody. I don't see stories about anybody else where they ask about people's genitals mm. or, um, Yeah, but it's you know, sex other- work. Do you know what I mean? I don't, I don't think it matters. No, I think it's just because I think you know, like we we're in joy. We're we're fairly enlightened people and open minded people when it comes to to topics like this, and we're quite um, sensible and sensitive about all these issues. But not a lot of people outside of mm. our community are. So they they just yeah. try to describe it the best way they can. They don't really know that they're doing. It. I know I'm being a bit of devil's advocate here, but mm. they don't really know that they're making a mistake. Perhaps like this is what I mean. You know, these shows. They go through people making the show. They go through editors, researchers. They have to get it approved at the highest levels. These people and nobody picked it up. Mm. Even though, I mean, that they, it was offensive. That doesn't mean that they should know better, though. And the fact that if you know the general mm. population, um, you know, I mean, you're right. I think you know, working at a um, you know a place here like Joy, we probably do. Um, Hopefully, no more than, mm. and we have um, exposure. You know, We're exposed yeah, but to it I don't every think, day. I don't think that that means that um, you know news reports should be catering to that lowest yeah. denominator. You need to, you know, bring people out of those sorts yeah. of attitudes, not cater to it. Um, we we always, whenever we um, induct and train new volunteers, we always say to them straight away, you do not ask these questions that are voyeuristic that that are just about your curiosity so you don't ask Mm. how much the women earn you don't ask about the jobs um you just treat them as a human being they don't want to be treated as a circus freak for you to um poke and prod and and find out more about and i think it goes um across the board and um yeah you just have to remind people and so we we try and give as much information to volunteers as possible so that they can just have those conversations and get to know the women just for being... But you know. I guess the, the the point is that you have to make that point yeah, to people absolutely, because they yeah. don't know yeah. initially yeah, that that's... They don't think... Yeah. They don't think, they don't think that they're yeah. maybe making a mistake yeah. or that is voyeuristic or it is to satisfy their own yeah. curiosity. And maybe, you know, how they've they've dealt with their own curiosity and everything else mm. in their life is to ask questions. Yeah. Where with this, it's kind of, it's not so easy. Yeah. You know, you don't just ask questions. You have to think about, well, what's the implication yeah. of asking that question? Maybe another mm. source would be better. And But you know? right at that point that you do, you're reducing that person. I and know. So on that, uh, the Four Corners piece, when they did ask the question about the, you know, pre-op or um, you could just see, see the impact it had. Yeah. Mm. Um, just but this is what I mean. It might be inadvertent, mm. but to them, it's Look, shattering. You know, they showed footage as well of um, the women when they were out, um, like at clubs and stuff. And you know, then there was like random guys sort of coming up to them and asking the same question. And I think that's in that, you know, sort of, you know, we'll put them in the pile of sort of mm. just an ignorant person who's, mm. you know, being an idiot and asking invasive mm. questions. I think that's different to. A news reporter yeah. who's supposed to be doing yeah. this this piece asking those questions i yeah. think that that's i mean my opinion is that that's pretty poor form one of the the women said you know all she wants is to be normal and that doesn't necessarily mean whether she's pre or post-op that just means to be treated normal and to be taken seriously and to be treated as a human being to love and to be loved and i think that's what Which everyone what we all want. Yeah, yeah it's what we all yearn mm. for um but when you know those questions get asked it just makes them feel like that 
they're seen as that, not mm. just for being a person. Mm. You're listening to a Joycast from GLB TIQ Community Radio Station, Joy 94.9. Your organisation's website is stkildagatehouse.org.au. Yes. Um, one of the things I've already mentioned, there is a link to that, um, to your TEDx talk, that mm-hmm. people can check that out. I think um, it was it was really interesting. I'd recommend that Thank everybody you. has a listen to it. Um, you'll learn from it. Check out that Four Corners report. Um as well it's interesting um now if you go to the gatehouse website um so you are um you are looking for volunteers people can help out they can volunteer um people can donate money um people can donate um goods such as clothes toiletries phone cards that sort of thing we try and keep the wish list up to date and we're about to i think tomorrow we're updating that so you can always go there and find out what we're needing or looking for yeah all right so everybody uh check that out as i said stkildagatehouse.org.au Joy 94.9 is a GLBTIQ community radio station in Melbourne, Australia. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.